Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Kaiser Permanente has announced it has postponed elective surgery procedures at its 21 Northern California facilities through January 4th as the region continues to cope with a winter holiday surge in coronavirus hospitalizations. At 9.30, we'll get details from Kaiser and hear how the Bay Area is doing overall on ICU capacity. But first, against the backdrop of thousands of child care facilities that have shuttered during the pandemic, Governor Newsom earlier this month announced a blueprint for improving early childhood care and education. We'll talk about the governor's master plan and check in with a Bay Area child care provider to hear how it's going. That's all next, right after this news. Welcome to the Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Against the backdrop of 6,000 licensed child care facilities closing during the pandemic and a projected loss of up to 85,000 child care spaces, Governor Newsom earlier this month unveiled a sweeping master plan to improve early child care and learning. The document presents a 10-year blueprint for expanding access to child care and improving the quality of California's early childhood programs for low-income students under the age of six, Advocates say COVID has made the need for childhood care and learning even more urgent. We're going to talk about the plan and the reaction to it, and we certainly want to hear from you. Let me tell you who's joining us for this segment of Forum. Karen D'Souza is a reporter for EdSource, and she joins us. And welcome, Karen D'Souza. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you, and also glad to have Makia Ward back with us on Forum, who runs child care centers in San Mateo and Alameda counties as director of Kids Connect. Good to have you back with us, Makia. Makia Ward, are you Thank with Thank you us? so much for having me. Okay, a little delay there. Good to have you. Um, and we're going to talk about Governor Newsom's plan. I am. I'm sorry. Let me, uh, let me begin, Karen D'Souza, with you. I, I just want to talk about this plan uh, in some detail, if we could, just so listeners can get a picture of what's being proposed here. Um, we get into implementation and finance and all that, but just basically what's in the plan. It's a comprehensive plan. It's a very comprehensive and very ambitious 10-year plan to completely transform the early childhood space in the state of California. It really starts from the foundational concept that um, it's a whole child over a whole life. So starting from birth by um, increasing access to paid family leave all the way through creating universal preschool for four-year-olds. And really in response to the idea that these early years set the stage for academic and career success. And if you sort of miss that window of opportunity, you can never get it back. Yeah, it's a very vital period in terms of uh, childhood development, obviously, and uh, sort of uh, what research tells us uh, presents a trajectory for years beyond that in terms of adult success and in terms of staying in certain grades. And this is a a plan that also includes uh, quite a bit of concern about inequities. And and shall we put the, uh, the kind of gap that exists particularly with underserved communities and communities of color. 
Indeed. <clears throat> Equity is very much a core concept, I think, throughout this entire document, which is something like 112 pages long and covers a lot of different aspects of early childhood. But both in terms of equity, in terms of children, increasing access and increasing quality to child care and preschool, and in terms of child care workers who themselves are facing tremendous challenges right now. And also the compensation for child care workers, which is about uh, what it is for those who are working in fast food, uh, and it, we're actually talking about California um, has a family leave program, about a quarter of a million of parents now use it, but low-income parents are least likely to take advantage of it. And there's some changes along those lines in this plan, aren't there? Yes. Indeed, that's a sad irony that I think most people are unaware of. I, I know I was until recently. The thing about the way pad, paid family leave works right now is you get a portion of your income. It's 60 to 70 percent of what you normally make. But if you make a low enough wage, that's utterly impractical if you're hoping to pay the rent and buy food while you're on paid family leave. So lower income workers are much less likely to avail themselves of the plan. At this point, and one of the suggestions is to increase that rate, bump it up to 90%, so you're getting very close to an actual complete re a replacement of the fee. Yeah, but I want to talk about finances here because, uh, for the most part, uh, the plan outlines that money will come from philanthropy and businesses and from parent fees, and that's been described as fuzzy financing. Uh, I can understand that because it's going to have to have either some help from the federal government, and certainly Governor Newsom feels that he's in line with the Biden administration here, but uh, nothing can necessarily be counted on, and we don't know yet what's going to be in the governor's budget. Indeed, indeed, and certainly there are very pressing concerns facing the state on, on a number of fronts. Um, I think that the plan is necessarily kind of abstract in terms of where the actual money will come from and, and leaves that up to you know, policymakers and legislatures. Um, and it's, it's more nitty-gritty on, on you know, if you have the money, this is what we should do with it. But there is certain wiggle room. Um, the plan's proposed cost is anywhere from $2 billion to $12 billion, depending on how much you take on and going from, you know, small reforms to um, transforming the entire system. And again, Karen D'Souza with us is a reporter for EdSource. We're also uh, going to be talking with Makia Ward, director of Kids Connect in both Alameda and San Mateo counties. Makia, Talk about the impact of this on families, uh, of these closures, how you're coping in terms of the pandemic. Um, it's been extremely challenging because we um, must be aware of how to keep everyone safe and we have smaller cohort sizes, which means um, we can only have 16, including uh, working staff in a particular group. And so it limits the number of children that we can care for. Additionally, um, we've seen a major decline in our um, attendance uh, due to the spike here recently and also spike with COVID in uh, the Bay Area and also um, with the fear of spread of COVID. So it's been challenging. Well, you are covering two different territories uh, with child care. Alameda has more essential workers, so there's more facilities that can operate, I believe, at 90% capacity. When you're talking about 60% or one uh, facility with 16 kids and six staff, that's San Mateo, isn't it? That is correct. Um, we do notice a difference between the two counties. We have schools in San Mateo County as well as Alameda County. And Alameda County tends to have more essential workers. And so we have more children in our care, as, as many as we can care for with the limits. Um, 
And then in San Mateo County, we noticed that more of the families are able to uh, keep their children at home or have alternate uh, care for their children. Um, and so the numbers there um, are very low in terms of enrollments. And um, you can see, uh, you know, the inequity there because a lot of the families that we serve in Alameda County don't have the pleasure of working from home. They have to go to work. And many are closing. Uh, many, many facilities are simply closing because of limited capacity and because the costs uh, are too great in this pandemic. Isn't that right? Absolutely. I would say that um, the challenges are statewide. Um, and in, in particular, there are a lot of um, family child care centers that have been um, hit pretty hard. And it's, it's a lot due to um, a lot of the family childcare uh, settings have people who are um, older and also they're unable to care for the same number of children that they once were able to care for. Can you also talk a bit about how this affects, I mean, as a woman of color, uh, you feel that this has even greater impact on you as well as perhaps children and families of color? I do. I feel um, that, um, Many of the families that we serve, uh, the families, people of color are less likely to be able to work from home is, is what I'm noticing. Um, and also their limit in choices outside of childcare as well. Um, and then others are um, losing their jobs, unfortunately. And so um, they're unable to continue care um, in order to even look for work. And they have children um, who are at home. Um, and so it, there's, it's just a myriad of, of challenges. It's a crisis situation. And even before the pandemic, childcare and the education system were stretched to the max. And now it's this pandemic at the breaking point, close to 60% of education and caregivers have relied on public assistance. That speaks volumes. I want to invite our listeners to join us. Have you been able to find childcare during the pandemic? And what are your questions about childcare? You can give us a call now. I invite you to do that. You can join us toll free and the number to call is 866-733-6786. The number again, you can join us at is 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you might have to forum at kqed.org. And here's a listener who writes, the plan sounds great, but is this going to be one of those plans that politicians make a big deal out of and then nothing happens? We can't wait 10 years to help children. We need help now for kids and families. Can I get you to comment on that, Karen, to Susan? Agreed. And 10 years is a long time to wait. I mean, even if we started immediately, we'd be seeing the end of this in 2030. Uh, that said, I think that there is a lot of impetus behind the early childhood space. I think Governor Newsom has established himself as someone who really wants to champion these issues. And we should have more clarity, you know, in January when he comes out with his proposed budget in terms of, um, you know, where the dollars are coming from and what the priorities are. Well, there's going to be expense just in oversight. There are a lot of bureaucracies involved in this. There are a lot of problems and a lot of devil in the details, to be sure. Indeed. And this also and that's includes, actually part of, um, part of the master plan is an attempt to kind of try to streamline and simplify the bureaucracy because it is incredibly difficult to navigate um, for anyone and perhaps worse for um, low-income and essential workers who really don't have the time to try and untangle the knots of snarled bureaucracy. 
Coming up on a break here, but let me go back to you, if I may, uh, McKee Ward. Uh, here's a listener who writes, I think child care is so important and without it, I could not work. But how are we going to pay for this when the state is facing such an uncertain situation? What can we do to make sure that this gets funded by the government with the money it needs? Some thoughts, Makia? I also am surprised at how this is supposed to be funded because it's not um, very clear to me. But I think even more than just looking at the plan, I feel like we need to look at the deterioration of uh, ch the childcare system as it stands right now. And we need to be proactive because if there are no child cares open, then the plan doesn't work, even if it has budget money. So I think um, I'm excited to see that the plan um, was put together. And I think there are a lot of things that need to be hashed out, but I also feel like um, there should be more, um, more attention paid to right now, because we're in a crisis right now and centers are closing down and, um, the system is deteriorating before our eyes. Immediate needs is really what you're talking about here. And by the way, there's a report out of UC Berkeley Center for the Study of Child Care and Employment that projects closing of upwards of 3,500 child care homes and hundreds of child care centers in California since the start of the pandemic. That means thousands of jobs, by the way, as well. Join us if you have some thoughts or if you have some questions. The number to call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about Governor Newsom's plan to revamp early childhood care and learning with Makia Ward, who directs the Kids Connect uh, in Alameda and San Mateo counties, and Karen Tassouza, who is a reporter for EdSource. And if you've been able to find child care, child care during the pandemic, or if you have questions about child care, please let us know what's on your mind. You can give us a call now, toll-free, 866-733-6786. Again, that number for your calls 866-733-6786 or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. And the plan, comprehensive, as we said, has to do particularly with access and quality, but the big questions have to do with money and implementation. And yet we've learned a great deal through research that uh, there is less of an achievement gap when children get this earlier kind of education and less grade retention and actually less special ed as well, but also better health outcomes and, as I was indicating earlier, greater academic and career success as well. I want to bring on a caller, uh, Ted from San Carlos. I think it's, it's Ted Lempert. Is that Ted Lempert? Hi. Good morning, Michael. Yes. Yeah, good morning. Glad to have you aboard. Yeah, no, well, thank you, Michael. And by the way, thank you for your awesome career. And I just wanted to add briefly, Karen and Mikia did a great job highlighting the plan 
and the needs out there. And I just really wanted to emphasize the need for dollars and a real commitment. Um, the, the plan, as past plans have done, have, have shown a real pathway forward, but that pathway can only be achieved with significant dollars. So Children Now, the organization I run and hundreds of other organizations are calling on the governor to really put some dollars in this upcoming budget and really prioritize this issue for the reasons McKee has been talking about. This really has to be at the top of the agenda. Well, thank you for that, Ted. And I know there are many who share those sentiments. And again, uh, a question for you, though. Is there anything new about this plan? What do you think about the way Newsom has suggested it be funded? Uh, I mean, is, first of all, is 2 to $12 billion even enough? Well, there are some good new things in the plan and certainly uh, much more streamlining at the state level because it's been so complicated for providers to get funding. So there's some really positive things in the plan and also some real focus on dual language learners. I will say, though, that uh, the 2 to $12 billion is on the very low side. Um, a number of organizations had, had pegged the number at over $20 billion. And as you highlighted earlier, uh, the focus on family fees is really concerning. I mean, what we really need is the, the state to step up um, and show where the dollars are going to come from, you know, in, in, including federal dollars, but a state commitment as well. well you mentioned dual language uh, learning, bilingual learning. Uh, is there really a, a plan on that in this 107-page uh, document? You know, I know you're guessing way in as well, but yes, um, there there is, and and there's been some real work done. But again, the need there is is, is really providing more uh, support to those families and the providers. And and it's been highlighted our providers are so poorly compensated, and to really ensure that they're um, given the support to provide, um, you know, a very uh, d diverse uh, population, the, those dollars need to be there to support the the recommendations around dual language learners. As long as we got you on the line here, Ted, uh, do you know if uh, President-elect Biden has suggested uh, early childhood plans in terms of dollars? Yes. In fact, uh, we, well, the relief bill that was just signed will provide a billion to California. But I, I guess this highlights one of the shortcomings of the governor's master plan and that the Biden transition team has already laid out a plan uh, for over $35 billion for child care and preschool which provides some significant dollars to California. And it's, that's exactly the kind of plan we were hoping for from the state to say, here's what the state's going to be providing in terms of new dollars, and then to uh, supplement the federal dollars, which are going to be critical but not sufficient. Ted Lempert, always good to hear from you. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you. That's Ted Lempert. And uh, I'd like to hear from uh, listeners. We're going to go up to the half hour here, and if you care to join us, it's toll-free, 866-733-6786. We'd like thoughts from you on this master plan and how it might be actually implemented and what your reaction is to it. Let me go back, uh, Micaiah Ward, to you. And Micaiah Ward, again, directs Kids Connect in both Alameda and San Mateo counties. What are you doing in terms of uh, in child care now, just in terms of the pandemic? I'd like listeners maybe to get a picture. I've been reading, for example, about helicopter arms and uh, things of that sort for social distancing or physical distancing. Yes. Um, our I mean, excuse me, it means more expenses for one thing, I know, with PPE. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, we have gotten some support um, through the CARES Act and the funds and supplies have been coming through resource and referral agencies such as Bananas, Four Cs, and Hively. However, um, there's other expense, expenses involved in terms of payroll and health insurance and other um dollar uh, line items that need to be met. And so it's been an extremely challenging time to um, balance those expenses 
along with the expense of um, keeping um, everyone safe and distanced and hand washing and we're just disinfecting all day long. Um, and so we recently have implemented that everyone uh, over two must wear masks. And that's been a challenge as well because the, the uh, rules in Alameda County are different than those in uh, San Mateo County. And so spending a lot of time trying to stay on top of um, the latest information and making sure that we're doing everything we can to keep staff and families safe. And Karen, this is a question from a listener uh, who says, uh, I read that there might be some stimulus money for child care. Will California get any? Do we know at this point, Karen? Um, yes. Uh, I think it's estimated at around $1 billion in the yeah, COVID relief bill. Yeah. It should be, um, California seems poised to get about that much for the early childhood space. In, term, in terms of immediate relief, the master plan really does speak a little bit more to sort of long-term planning, but the needs um, are, are quite pressing. So what happens first with this master plan and how do they how do we rebuild from the pandemic? Are there any kind of outlines in the master plan along those lines? Uh, not that specifically speak to the pandemic. The master plan has been in creation for a long time before COVID. But I think um, what many advocates are really hopeful about in the early childhood space is that, um, you know, COVID has wrought widespread tragedy on our society, but it has at least um, shown a light on some of the inequities and some of the gaps in our system. And so now that we're really aware that they're there, childcare being one of them, maybe it's finally time to take action to solve them. Uh, speaking of inequities, there is something in there about, for example, um, uh, expulsions, uh, because the, there are a much higher number of expulsions of uh, kids of color. What, what does it say in the master plan? Indeed. I mean, there would actually be a ban on suspensions and expulsions um, in preschool and subsidized child care because there's actually far more um, expulsions and suspensions in the preschool world than in the K-12 world. And as you said, it's disproportionately children of color. So we don't know really what's going to be first in terms of implementing this at this point? We don't. We should know more next month. Well, and we should know more once uh, Governor Newsom's uh, budget is uh, presented to us. But, of course, the problem is that we've had so many expenses incurred during this pandemic that um, it makes the head spin just thinking about how we can get the kind of revenue that we need for this plan, especially mm -hmm. over the 10-year period. But it is an ambitious plan. And, uh, well, Richard writes, one of our listeners, if we can fund the police, we can fund kids. <laughs> I mean... Important note to end on, uh, except before we say goodbye to both uh, Karen D'Souza and Makia Ward, I'd like a final word from you, Makia, about just how important this plan is in terms of implementation. I am excited about having an overarching plan for the state of California, and I'm encouraged with the, the things that are mentioned in it. I think that um, this can be good for California and help with um, inequities, but I also wanna make sure that those who are on the ground doing the work are um, also, also seen and also uh, supported, especially those who are uh, private preschools. Hey, on that note, let me thank both of you and uh, appreciate your being with us. And we hope for the best here. Makia Ward, good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Karen D'Souza, good to have you with us. Thank you.
Thank you so much. And I'd like to say congratulations on your retirement and thank you for your years of community service. Thank you for that. And again, uh, Karen Ward is with EdSource and McKee Ward is with Kids Connect. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.